Our next guest has written a piece for the Sun Newspaper Group entitled, A Plastics Ban Will Only Make the Pandemic Consumer Pinch Worse. He is David Clement. Mr. Clement is the North American Affairs Manager at the Consumer Choice Centre and joins us from Oakville, Ontario. David Clement, good morning and welcome back. Good morning. Thank you for having me back on the program. Well, it's great to have you with us. Your point about uh, the uh, piece, the editorial, the op-ed that you wrote for the Post Media Group the other day, David, was that this plastics ban by the federal government is poorly timed and doesn't mm-hmm. particularly allow for a great deal of public input. So let's take it. Uh, let, let's first of all uh, revisit the ban and uh, talk to us about the items that uh, are on that short list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the government has um, has used, uh, it's called SEPA, the Canadian Environmental Protection Act, um, and they've actually put plastic products um, into Schedule 1, which means they're listed as toxic substances alongside um, very scary things like asbestos and lead. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they've also banned or, or going to ban um, single-use items like plastic bags, stir sticks, straws, cutlery, um, the six packs, six, six pack rings around beer, right, uh, and then certain takeout containers. Um, so those are the, the immediate consequences of that redesignation of plastic. Um, but my concern really is, um, is is twofold. So one, declaring all plastics as a toxic substance seems like quite an overreach because obviously it. it really does depend on how it is disposed of. If you're recycling a water bottle, there's nothing toxic about it at all. Mm-hmm, right. um, and, and second, it's a really bad time to be enacting or to be proposing some of these bans, um, especially in terms of how it will impact restaurants, how it will impact grocery stores. Uh, I mean, most of us have been um, eating via delivery services. Sure, yeah, you bet. And those takeout containers and relying on plastic bags. I mean, in in some instances, some grocery stores were mandating that you had to use only their plastic bags for a while, um, just as a safety precaution throughout the pandemic. Well, here, David, in in BC, for example, the uh, Mm -hmm. liquor store, uh, the government liquor stores, at least, because we have both and lots of both, but the government liquor stores had uh, actually, they had banned plastic bags. And then when the pandemic uh, came, they uh, revisited their ban and put uh, plastic bags back into circulation. However, a month or two after that, uh, they replaced the plastics with paper bags, which cost you a dime if you want to bag up your booze when you're leaving the store. But uh, mm-hmm. initially, initially, they revoked their own ban and brought them back in until they could figure out a second step. But let me quote from something you've just written. The plastic, yep. let, let's let this sink in. The plastic we've used for months to wrap our takeout food, have items safely shipped to our doorsteps, and provide a barrier between healthcare workers and the COVID-19 virus through N95 masks are now, according to the Canadian government, going to appear on a list of toxic substances. David, they aren't toxic. Exactly. Uh, Exactly. And that's that's really, I think, the problem here. If we want to have a, a honest discussion and debate around waste management and how to properly dispose of the, the items that we use, whether it's during the pandemic or a larger conversation outside of the pandemic, I think that that's totally fine and appropriate. Right. Um, I think that lumping all of these items, all, all plastic products, 
under the Schedule 1 designation really is throwing the baby out with the bathwater. And I, it, for me, I mean, I, I can't say that I know the, the federal government's true intentions here, but it just seems like a very easy and lazy way to be able to regulate um, other plastic products, how they see fit, really without any discussion or any debate. Well, let's talk uh, about – uh, sorry, David, if yeah. I, let me interrupt because the, at, at one point you also in the article talk about the fact that uh, this uh, this plastic ban is being rammed through with minimum, the basic bare possible minimum uh, public and scientific input. Exactly. And what's what, what really irritates me is that that lack of input period – really is going to drive bad policy with, with negative externalities. And I'll give you an example based okay. on what you mentioned with uh, plastic bags versus paper bags. Mm-hmm. And so the Environment Ministry in Denmark looked at the environmental impact of plastic bags, and they compared them to things like cotton bags and paper bags and things like that. In order for a paper bag to be as environmentally friendly as a single-use plastic bag, it has to be reused 43 times. And that's with the total impact of, obviously, you have to cut down trees. There are chemical processes for creating the the paper bag. And when they looked at it, no consumers are really reusing paper bags 43 times. And so when you compare the two products or the two two takeout uh, options, um, more often than not, the single-use plastic bag is the superior option if we care for the total uh, impact on the environment. And that doesn't sound intuitive t- to most people. No, but it doesn't. What ha- yeah, but what happens is when, and this is what the Environment Ministry in Denmark concluded, is basically when we look at usage patterns, um, it's easier for us to still allow plastic bags to exist and then really to focus on disposing of them properly uh, rather than banning them outright because then the alternatives have negative consequences as well. And I think a lot of people forget that. Yeah, it's interesting though, David, just from a perception point of view, that you, because you point out that for a paper bag, uh, the one they charge you for at the liquor store, to be as environmentally friendly or effective as a plastic bag, it needs to be recycled uh, three or four dozen times, which isn't going to happen. And yet, for the consumer at the at the checkout, the, the plastic bag looks more odious than the paper bag it's a it's a it's and it's visual it's psychological it doesn't make a great deal of sense and yet that's the typical consumer i'll take paper it's okay i'll take i'll take the paper thank you Uh, and even though uh and and it's uh, so uh the 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 decision making behind a typical uh, consumer opting for paper instead of plastic um is, is, you were talking about counterintuitive. Uh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. And so I think the, the big problem is is that as we move, whenever the, the, the ban does come into effect, essentially most grocery stores or restaurants will have to make the choice to either go to thicker versions of those plastic bags, which some grocery stores have already done in areas where they ban them, or they have to go to paper and both of those have negative externalities. And none of this discussion really focuses on proper waste management and, and having that discussion and that debate. It just goes all the way from A to Z and says, okay, well, we don't like these products, so we're not going to allow for um, for businesses to offer them for their consumers. Anymore. And I think that that's 
uh, a very heavy-handed way of going about it. And I think it really misses the point in terms of what people care about, because people care about waste ending up in rivers, streams, oceans, things like that. No Those question. Are totally, totally legitimate concern. Yep. But we're not having that conversation. We're, we're essentially just skipping that conversation um, and discussion and going right into a ban. So uh, that, for me, is just bad, bad public policy. It's a seven-degree Sunday morning in Vancouver. I'm Sterling Fox with Julie Wong. David Clement is with us from Oakville, Ontario. Mr. Clement is the North American Affairs Manager for the Consumer Choice Centre, and he wrote a piece recently for the Sun Newspaper Group entitled, The Plastics Ban Will Only Make the Pandemic Consumer Pinch Worse. And David, you go on in the article to, we've talked about the types of plastics that have been banned, the fact that the federal government has decided to put these particular items, the ones we use the most from skip the dishes and so on, on a list of toxic substances uh, you describe as lazy because uh, it, it uh, involves minimum uh, scientific research and mostly it's convenient for them because it puts that on a list of easily bannable substances. And so for future bans, uh, given that this one is going to go through with minimal public input, uh, it sets the pace for what's, uh, what, else, what, what the next steps beyond this will be, right? Yeah, exactly. So it just makes it very easy for the government to add additional items to the list of what's banned. And I mean, what we plastics are part of our everyday life from things of convenience, um, which may seem trivial to some, but things of convenience like takeout containers and plastic forks. But it goes all the way through to contact lenses, Mm -hmm. to IV bags, to other things, the parts that, that the core components of what your car is made of. Um, so for, for us and from our perspective, uh, in terms of the consumer impact, is it just creates a very unfortunate precedent where the government can um, essentially at its, at its own discretion um, ban products that people use, that people enjoy, that have utility and have or used for good reason mm-hmm. um, and, and pushes consumers to alternatives that also have externalities, which is a, obviously a huge issue that's being ignored in terms of the ban. Yeah, David, you say this unilateral approach they're taking, the heavy-handed mm-hmm. approach, could actually undermine policy goals and hurt consumers, not just here in Canada, but also in the States. How? Yes, yeah, so in the... the, the aspect of um, how this could impact trade is now this is very policy wonk stuff, but um, the essentially the the plastic ban could act as a non-tariff trade barrier, um, which depending on what trade agreements you're looking at um, could be in violation of our trade agreements with the United States and how we are treated as a trading nation at the WTO. And so that's where we move beyond items of convenience like cutlery and, and uh, takeout containers, and we move to more serious um, serious items like components of cars and the, the, the items that are used to create electronics sure. and all the various other plastics. And so um, there was notice essentially sent by the, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce who said, hold on. There, this could be a huge trade barrier between Canada and, and the United States. Um, from a consumer's perspective, that would be a nightmare. I mean, we all saw the turmoil that was created when 
when NAFTA was turned into the USMCA and the real threat of closing trade between Canada and the United States, which, which is the greatest trading relationship in the world, right. uh, and immensely benefits ordinary Canadians like you and I. And so there is a prospect that the use of SEPA to designate plastic as toxic could then down the road be a trade issue between um, us in the United States and then us in other countries uh, whom we charge a big net negative for consumers who like to buy things from other countries, which is all of us. Sure. So, David, uh, only a couple of minutes left here. And uh, mm-hmm. the for the big finale question, since the, uh, you're critical of the way the ban has been implemented from several uh, angles, what would the, from the Consumer Choice Center perspective, what would the ideal road or path chosen by the feds look like? So I think that we should have a a more serious conversation about how these products are disposed of. Um, So focusing on recycling what's recyclable and focusing on proper disposal of the items that are not, rather than banning a whole product class uh, and essentially inflating costs for consumers and for the businesses that we deal with. Um, One example that I've written about before is something that's done in Sweden where they essentially take Uh, waste that isn't recyclable and through a very interesting process of incineration use it as an energy source and actually capture all of the um, emissions that come out from that process and so they give all of that uh, single use category of, of waste a second life by using it to do things like heat homes and keep the lights on um and so sweden has a pretty um pretty innovative approach to this. That's just one example of what I think the conversation should be. How are we disposing of these products rather than making listing them as toxic and and then banning um, particular items entirely? Is this, uh, again, uh, just a couple of seconds, but is this mm-hmm. a, a wise thing for the feds only to handle or should this be more localized? Should it be a provincial thing or is there a role for the government of Canada in all of this? Uh I would argue that it's probably better to let the provinces deal with this. I know that Premier Jason Kenney um, has has essentially unveiled that Alberta was investing in technology to essentially be a hub for Canadian recycling and mm-hmm. better waste management. I've heard that too. Yep. Of, yeah, part of their green strategy, and I applaud the Alberta government for doing that. Um, this kind of oversteps the provincial uh, authority on a lot of these issues, um, which is really why using SEPA is such a problem, is it it completely separates the provinces, who are really the ones who have to deal with managing waste anyway. It's, it's the province and local governments who deal with waste. The federal government doesn't pick up your recycling bin um, at the at, at uh, every Wednesday or whenever it comes. Exactly. So, uh, it would be better to leave this to the provinces to sort out, and provinces have shown that they have a vested and active interest in solving the problem. All right. A plastics ban uh, will only make the pandemic consumer pinch worse. You can find the column by David Clement at uh, any Sun newspaper website. Uh, It's quite recent. David Clement is the North North American Affairs Manager with the Consumer Choice Center, joining us from Oakville, Ontario. Thanks for this, David. Great to have you back. We'll do it again. Absolutely. Thank you.